Come in. Here we go again. Up early, feed the dog, out the door, traffic, at the office, boss in some kind of mood today, no time for lunch, annoying co-worker, no time to relax, bedtime. Then we gotta do it all again? Uh, no way. Because the best way to break up the mundane every day is to play. At Wild Rose Casino and Resort. Slots, tables, sports, and a whole lot of perks when you join and play with your club wild card. So, let's play. Wild Rose Casino and Resort, Clinton. Does your financial advisor take the time to really listen to you? Is your financial strategy personalized for you and your family? Will your financial advisor be there as your life and financial situation changes? When you work with Edward Jones, they focus on what's important to you. You'll work together and use an established process to create a personalized financial strategy backed by the advice, tools, and resources to help you reach your goals. And they'll partner with you to help your strategy stay on track. Visit edwardjones.com or stop by the office of Todd Nash in Coralville, Jeff Rudolph, or Scott McGill in Iowa City, or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, Making Sense of Investing, member SIPC. Hello, Hawkeye fans, and welcome to the Hawk Fanatic Mailbag Podcast. I am your host, Rob, recording on Tuesday, November the 1st, a little after 9 a.m. Central Time. Hard to believe we've already hit November, but home stretch for Iowa football coming off the 33-13 victory against Northwestern for homecoming on Saturday. The Hawkeyes head to Purdue for an 11 a.m. Central Time kick uh, this Saturday. Uh, I'll be heading out to West Lafayette Friday evening. Uh, I ain't going to lie. The Indiana trips aren't fun. I'm not a big fan of the state or those places, although Bloomington and West Lafayette are are halfway decent places. If you're having to live in Indiana, I would, uh, I'd recommend those two places, but before I offend any more people that I know from Indiana, we will, uh, jump into questions here. I do need to bring something up on my computer before I forget. And I have done so advertising read for later in the show. Uh, let's jump in here. Let me get to my Twitter. I am just, my mind is all over the place today. I'm submitting my pay for the month, uh, state volleyball. I'm working for a site called, uh, prep dig, which is part of the prep network. So I'm covering state volleyball, did not get out to basketball last night, men's basketball exhibition where they Hawkeyes with a huge victory over Truman state and Jeff Horner. Good tune up for the Hawkeyes before the real season starts. So uh, hopefully some of you guys got a chance to get out and see that. I think this could be a real exciting men's basketball team. I think people are sleeping on the amount of talent that's on this squad and the chemistry there. So we'll see how it shakes out. Best laid plans don't always work out, but I think this is a pretty good team. So we'll see how it plays. Um, I don't remember reading this one last week. Perhaps I did. It's from October 25th, which I believe was when I last recorded, but I don't remember getting to this question. Maybe I did. Um, DC Hawk at DC underscore Hawk six. This again is from October 25th. What do you make of the season Charlie Jones is having at Purdue? It's hard for me to say not to see it as a huge indictment of Brian. Why did they struggle so much to see his potential? 
It's a good question, and I'm not sure that he felt like they were seeing it, which I think played into him leaving. Um, I'm not sure. I'm not always sure what Iowa looks for in its receivers and uh, the evaluation that goes on there. Uh, We've seen guys before that kind of – this is an extreme situation of a guy leaving, going from a – um, an offense that doesn't rely on the pass to one that does. Uh, I'm actually not sure what Iowa's offense is relying on this year, but I'm going to hold off on the criticism after seeing uh, some life on Saturday against Northwestern. It was good to see balance there and rushing the football, uh, opening up some passes. But, uh, yeah, I don't know what happened there. That's going to be one of those uh, head scratchers, I think, for the end of time in Hawkeye country. Uh, why did that happen with Charlie Jones? I will say that last year, um, you know, he should he have played more? Yeah, probably. I mean, we saw him make some incredible catches last year. Uh, he was so dynamic in the return game, but you could kind of see the potential there at receiver, and I'm not really sure why uh, it wasn't used more last year, uh, but whatever he saw in spring ball, combined with the opportunity to play at Purdue, uh, led him to hit the road, and uh, it'd be hard to blame him. And uh, it's going to be in the forefront of everybody's mind this week, and then again on Saturday, because that horse is going to be beaten to death in uh, in analyzing that game from the TV perspective when they come on the air to, I'm sure, you know, the, the newspapers in Indiana are going to focus on it. I'm sure there'll be some focus on it here in Iowa City. Uh, along with Tyrone Tracy, who's having a decent year, not what Charlie Jones is having, but uh, be interesting to see if uh, if both of those guys are happy where they are. I think they are, uh, but I've not talked to either one, so I know I know the Iowa defensive backs are looking forward to the challenge of trying to stop Charlie Jones. Uh, thankfully for uh, Iowa, David Bell has left and went to the NFL. After tearing the Hawkeyes apart for three straight years, so uh, he will not have to be dealt with anymore. But beyond Charlie Jones, it's a gr- good group of Purdue receivers, including Tyrone Tracy, and the Boilermakers run the ball better than you would think. And uh, so that's an aspect where you have to respect, and I think that helps open up the pass for them. Uh, and then also, I think Purdue's a little bit better defensively than it's been in the past. So pretty solid team. This can be a hard game for Iowa. Should take some some solace out of seeing what Wisconsin did to Purdue a few weeks ago. The Boilermakers are coming off a bye week this week, so have a couple weeks to prepare for Iowa. So be interesting to see what that looks like. Thank you for the question, DC. Jesse Lucier at Jesse underscore Lucier. This is from October 29th, which I believe was game day. Kirk Ferentz digs himself out of the mud again this year, question mark. Seen it too many times to be surprised if this team finished seven and five or eight and four. I wrote this uh, the Sunday after Ohio State. Uh, and uh, now that Halloween's behind us, uh, it was more of a Halloween theme. Uh, Kirk Ferentz, Michael Myers comparison, uh, the comeback guys, the guys that you can't uh, you can't get rid of. No matter how hard uh, some people want to try. Uh, they they keep coming back, and uh, this is not a difficult schedule. We saw the easiest of it in Northwestern. Uh, I think that's uh, that was Iowa's 
easiest remaining game of the final five after Ohio State. I believe this week against at Purdue is the hardest. Uh, I think Wisconsin's solid, and I think uh, certainly Minnesota's solid. I would probably say Purdue is the hardest, then Minnesota, then Wisconsin, and then obviously that last game at home against Nebraska on paper looks like the easiest matchup for Iowa, but those teams tend to play close games, and we'll see kind of how that shakes out. That could be a make or break for both programs, depending on how the next three weeks go, but uh to your point uh seven and five would be what three and one the rest of the way that might be a heavy ask uh four and oh the rest of the way to get to eight and four probably a heavy ask but i would not put it past this team i just don't know i don't feel like in in talking with uh julian vandervelde and uh jordan canzeri on our rapid reaction podcast and i'll plug that now uh after football games on saturdays usually right after the game i do a podcast with uh with jovan johnson and jordan canzeri it was jovan's anniversary last week so julian stepped in for him anyway check that out after games if we can't get to it right after the game we usually do it the following morning on sunday morning so uh check that out you can go back and listen to that on the feed as well uh download uh, and like our podcast, like our podcast on all the platforms that you get them. We have a fresh, during the football season, we have a fresh Hawkeye podcast six, six days a week. So Sunday is usually the only day we don't have one. Uh, if we if we move the rapid from Saturday to Sunday, then Saturday would be the one that we don't have one. But six different, six fresh podcasts every week uh, on your feed here at Hawk Fanatic. Um, but going back to, uh, what those guys said, it's, it's a matter of how much stock do you put in that win against Northwestern? Uh, is it that Northwestern is bad? Uh, I would think we would all agree that Northwestern is bad. Uh, but how much stock do you put in Iowa's growth on the offensive side of the football from that game? We'll tell, we'll be able to find out more this week, but I think it's fair, um, to be have a little bit of skepticism because we saw Iowa's offense look okay in a very wonky, unusual situation against Nevada and then basically fell off after that um, and then came back this past week against a bad Northwestern team, the worst team it's played since the Nevada game. So I would uh, have people be a little bit cautious on uh, on the on the advances of the Iowa offense, but it also could be just you know, yeah, it was a bad team, but Iowa figured some things out during the bye week. So interested to see how uh, how it how it develops and how it looks in West Lafayette on Saturday. Uh, forty four M less at forty four M less. Uh, this is also from October twenty ninth, which was game day. Hi Rob, great to see the offense move the ball today and Spencer have success. He's one classy individual, two exclamation points. With that said, is it wrong for me as a fan to have to wait, have a wait and see attitude about the Iowa offense based on the opponent they played today? Just talked about that. Uh, Les, coffee sip. For those that don't know, I take sips of coffee during this. I don't have a a partner uh, to take the mic when I want to have a drink of coffee, and I need coffee, so... I apologize for those those short little coffee sip breaks. Uh, but yeah, I think what you know what, what we just talked about and what 
you know, Julian and, and Jordan both said on Saturday is let's let's not let's tap the brakes a little bit on Iowa figured it out and, you know, full steam ahead. I think there will be challenges at West Lafayette. And I think it's more when things don't go well. I mean, things started going well right away for Iowa's offense on Saturday. There was no adversity. What happens if you have a couple three and outs to start Saturday's game in West Lafayette? Does that start, oh, no, here we go again and creep in and there's some doubt there and it snowballs? Uh, We'll see. Uh, I think – Purdue is going to load up to stop Iowa's running game. Uh, and it's going to force the Hawkeyes to throw the ball and have to throw the ball efficiently. Uh, it did do that on Saturday against Northwestern, but a much better defense at Purdue uh, to, to uh, try to accomplish that again. So we'll see. I think if, if we see similar, a similar output at Purdue that as we saw against Northwestern, then I think you start to, you know, believe that maybe, you know, things are clicking and a lot of the uh, inexperience and areas of the team that were, you know, inconsistent start to find that consistency, start to show growth. Um, And that's what you hope. And we'll find out. That's why uh, this is fun to follow. It's a fun sport to, to watch how teams can get better as the season goes on. One thing to keep in mind, though, you know, Wisconsin was a wreck a month ago. Maybe Wisconsin is, you know, it also has gotten better by the time it gets here. And the other opponents that Iowa is facing improve as well. So you kind of, it's all relative, right? So we'll kind of see how Iowa matches up uh, with the opponents the rest of the way. But cautiously optimistic, I would define uh, where I am right now. Thanks, 44 M. Less. Uh, sit down at Love the Hawks. Uh, October 30th, which was Sunday. What's the record for an Iowa quarterback in modern football for fewest touchdowns thrown in a single season? Oh, you're asking me to look things up. I do not I don't think I have my uh, I don't think I have my uh, trusty media guide with me here to look that up. Um, so I'm not sure when you say modern football i'm thinking like back to the 60s i'm thinking this is probably somewhere what does spencer have right now i lost track let me see here this is professional podcasting here me looking things up we uh recording the podcast but let me bring the stats up that's probably a good place to start uh you have two on saturday uh let's see where uh, Spencer Peters, three touchdown passes, five interceptions this season. So uh, that's going to probably push the record. I would think three is probably it, but let me look and see if I can find something uh, relatively easy here. If I can find the media guide, I should be able to find a season by season. Uh, let's see. History uh, Media Guide 2002 PDF. Let's see, season by season. Uh, again, professional podcasting here. Uh, team records, individual best, year by year leaders 278. Let's see, I'll punch in 278. Hit return. Uh, team game best. 
team season best passing offense. Uh, best passing offense, 1983, 5,647 yards. Or no, that's rushing and passing together. Best passing offense was 85, 300 passing yards a game. Could you imagine that? Uh, let's see, rushing, uh, passing. Uh, why do they not have touchdowns on here? Year-by-year leaders in scoring. Yeah, that's not going to tell me it either. I'll try to look this up. Love the Hawks. Um, quarterback tackles for loss. These are all individual records here. Kickoffs, interception returns, passing, longest plays. Uh, let's see if I can find a really bad podcasting here. Okay, I'm going to give up. I got you got to know when to fold them here, and I'm going to fold this one. And uh, all right, passing TDs. So that's in a game. Uh, Chuck Hartley had uh, seven in a game in '87. I think that looks like the most in a game. Do 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 do. Looking more here. Uh, yeah, I'm not good at looking up statistics, so let me try one more thing here, and then we'll move on. Uh, reference. Yeah, I'll I'll have to come back and look that one up. You got me. You got me with a uh, a research question, uh, but I will look that up. Um, didn't have much time to prepare for the pod, as I said, real busy, so. We'll look uh, look that up, but Spencer Peaches for three is certainly, I would think, on pace uh, for modern football uh, for the fewest. But um, uh, let's see, football reference, sports reference. Yeah, I'm not going to be able to find it. I'm sometimes I have trouble giving up on things, but I'm going to do that here. Uh, Dakota Newman at DASK. Das Coda on Twitter. How many yards do you think former Hawkeye players will have against us this weekend? Uh, and we talked about this earlier. It was um, Charlie Jones and Tyrone Tracy. I will put the over under at 150. Is that too low? Um, perhaps. But, uh, you know, it's it's hard to know kind of how a game is going to game flow is going to be. Um, so it will, uh, it's going to depend probably on that. And um, maybe Iowa goes out of its way to shut down Charlie Jones. I don't, th- I don't see that in Phil Parker's um, Phil Parker's uh, DNA to try to take one guy out. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think the focus is going to be just on taking Charlie Jones out. So, um, I think 150 is a good number. I'm, yeah, I'm still trying to look up, uh, the passing touchdown. Spencer had nine and then 10, um, go back. Uh, Stanley had 16. 
I'm wondering if the 10 from last year might be the lowest. Um, I'm at, uh, I'm on football reference and uh, I wish there was a way to kind of look like year to year here on this. I'm sure there is, but I'm just uh, not able to, to navigate this thing as much as I would like to, but um, I'm going to guess that 10 last year was the lowest, but I will go back and I'm going to lead the podcast off next week with uh, whatever I find out are the fewest. I just can't do it on the fly. Uh, let's see here. Um, so, yeah, the question was the over under on Charlie Jones and Tyrone Tracy. I'll put it at 150 uh, for this weekend and uh, go from there. It's going to be I, I'm not sure what they're averaging either. That may be a little bit high. But um, I'm going to go with that. So uh, let's see here. Let's uh, let's get the read in. Uh, let folks know that support for the podcast comes from Systems Unlimited, celebrating 50 years of providing services to people living with disabilities and mental health needs throughout East Central Iowa. A list of their services and upcoming events can be found at SUI.org. Thank you to Systems Unlimited and all the other sponsors. Uh, you heard from uh, Wild Rose and Edward Jones at the front end of the podcast. You heard this read for Systems Unlimited. And now we're going to hear from a few more of our sponsors. And we'll be back to finish up the podcast on the other side of these ads. Hi, I'm Jim Street, owner of Streets Maintenance. As a licensed, insured, and bonded master plumber, I specialize in all plumbing repairs, including but not limited to water heater and sump pumps to toilet and faucet repairs and replacements. For more information about my business, I'm online at streetsmaintenance.com and Facebook, or give me a call at 400-4483. 400-4483. Oriza Asian Cuisine and Bar is celebrating its fifth year anniversary. Enjoy Chinese, Vietnamese, Thai, and Korean all combined into one menu. Visit 5 Sturgis Corner Drive next to Staples in Iowa City. Open 11 to 10 every day, 365 days a year, or visit online at arisaic.com. Hi, this is A.J. Perez, Managing Partner at Deary Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Waukee and Iowa City. I'm so proud of our team at both locations. We are committed to one thing, giving our customers the absolute best when it comes to service and a car buying experience, the kind of experience that brings you back. What makes us different? We believe at Deary, we don't just sell cars, we help people buy them. And we're back. Thank you to the sponsors once again. Uh, Jesse Lucier is back again. And that Dakota Newman question, by the way, was from yesterday, as is, as is this one from Jesse. So if Iowa gets a new offensive coordinator, do you think there's a chance Iowa splurges for a great offensive coordinator? They paid a lot on Doyle, and what's the chance KFC's this as a big need and takes a pay cut to help supply the funds for the offense coordinator. How much money does KF really need at this point? LOL. Um, I'm not sure he would take a pay cut. And here's the rub. Um, if you bring in an offensive coordinator, a big name offensive coordinator, that's going to just for sake of argument, um, demand a $2 million a year salary. What do you do with Phil Parker then? Um, you bring in a guy who hasn't been here for, you know, with another guy that's been here for a quarter of a century and pay him more um, with how well 
Phil Parker's defense has done through the years? Can you justify bringing in a new coach uh, and paying him more than what Phil makes? So you have that dynamic. And then also, from an offensive coordinator standpoint, uh, say you get a name brand, uh, how comfortable is whoever that is going to be coming in knowing what the setup is here? And that is that Kirk Ferentz is heavily involved in the offense, offensive philosophy and scheme. If you're an offensive coordinator, how much do you feel like you have leeway and, you know, um, an ability to do what you want to do? Um, how much, how constrained are you within the philosophy of what Kirk Ferentz wants to do? Does it mesh? It's a lot there. There's a lot of layers there, and I'm not sure uh, that it's an easy one to figure out. So I don't know. It's going to be fascinating to see how this offseason goes um, because you feel like there's going to be change. You feel like there needs to be change, but we saw a little bit of change last year and all that was really was bringing Abdul Hodge on as the tight end coach, Ken O'Keefe leaving and, and Brian being given quarterback responsibilities and then bringing John, John Budmeyer in as a quote unquote analyst uh, advisor, however you want to frame it for Brian to coach the quarterback. So I don't know. I mean, is Kirk's not going to fire Brian. So the first domino that needs to fall, if there is a change in offensive coordinator, and if all parties want the change in offensive coordinator is going to be Brian finding a landing spot, finding another job um, because Kirk's not going to fire him. Uh, I know there's kind of a feeling and and speculation that if Bill O'Brien gets a head coaching job, uh, that he would be willing to bring Brian Ferentz with him, uh, either as an offensive line coach or an offensive coordinator. But I don't know, does Brian take a demotion and a pay cut to be an offensive line coach at a school that's not his alma mater? Um, I just don't think there's anything forcing Kirk Ferentz to make a uh, change. I don't think there's anybody that will force him to do that. So, I think there's a real possibility that he brings Brian back and just says, listen, we were young and inexperienced at a bunch of places on our offense this year, and things will get better next year. For that to happen, though, they need to finish this season with a little bit of momentum. If they don't, it's going to be really hard to sell that and to sell season tickets along with that. But off, obviously, Jesse, an interesting uh, dynamic at play here and an interesting uh, time. For Iowa football, uh, you've got, you know, the longest tenured winningest coach in Iowa football history finishing up his career and kind of rounding out his legacy. And how is that going to end? It'll be interesting to see. Uh, Jeff Selby at Jeff Selby on Twitter uh, asked, Monty Potabon makes it across the goal line against ISU and Petrus completes first and goal to Williams. Hawks are six and two with L's to UM and OSU. How does the fan base perceive the season? How do we perceive the coaching staff? Obviously it's different, Jeff. Um, Here's where I would go with this. I think Iowa football under Kirk Ferentz is filled with what ifs. Um, And that's because um, they really play football 
like the NFL in the margins, you know, play it to the fourth quarter and then make plays and pull it out. And I think you can just go back to last year and think of some of those games, what happened at Nebraska, uh, the Illinois game, um, some earlier games, you know, Iowa State. I mean, there were a lot of games last year that could have gone the other way had the ball not bounced Iowa's way. Iowa makes some of its own breaks, just like in seasons like this. It creates it, – it helps the other team get breaks, and that's just kind of the nature of Iowa football. So certainly 6-2 and two has a whole different feel than 4-4 four and four right now, um, particularly when you're in the big – you'd be in the Big Ten West race – um, but the thing is, is this is, this really is Iowa football, uh, close games, you know, toss up games for the most part going one way or the other in the down years, they go against Iowa in the up years, like last year, Iowa catches those breaks makes its own breaks. It's just kind of the way it goes with Iowa football. So not a really in-depth analysis there, but you know, Year 26 of covering Iowa football, uh, the first two with Hayden Fry, obviously a different uh, feel, but I feel like I have a pretty good handle on uh, the Kirk Ferentz approach and dynamic, uh, and that's just the way it is. And this could turn around next year. Next year, some of the things, you know, some of the the plays that go against Iowa could go for Iowa next year. So, um that's kind of where we go into the year. Like at the beginning of the season, when I'm doing my season predictions, I look at the the schedule and for the most part, uh, take away a couple of non-conference cream puffs. Uh, and then when you have the heavyweights like Ohio State and Michigan and, you know, Penn State sometimes on the schedule, um, most of the games are toss-ups. Uh, this year, obviously, we didn't know how bad Northwestern was going to be. That's one that, for Iowa, like Nevada, is one that they should win um, and did win. Whereas, you know, those Big Ten West games, they can go either way, and they really have in recent history. So that's just kind of where we are. But, yeah, different feel if it was 6-2, and two, no doubt about that. Thank you for the question, Jeff. Don't be a stranger. We'd love to hear from you again. DC Hawk at DC underscore Hawk six. Uh, I know you hate speculation, Rob, but do you think Brian will be offensive coordinator next year? I would put money on it. Yeah, I don't know what I would put the odds on of that DC. Um, it's a great question. And I think I'll go back to uh, what I was talking about a few minutes ago. I think I really do think it comes down to. Um, it comes down to how Iowa finishes this season. I think if Iowa just, you know, loses these last four games, the offense is inept. Uh, it's just, it's, it's you know, some of the things that we saw already this season, I think we're at least from a, a P, public uh, perception standpoint, teetering on the edge here. Meaning if, um, things go sideways here uh, at the end of the season. I think it's just going to be hard to justify bringing Brian back. But if Iowa finishes three and one and maybe wins a bowl game and the offense is showing some life, certainly could see it. And I think, as I said before, I think the sell 
to the fans who buy tickets, the, the selling point is, listen, we had a lot of things going against us this year, offensive line inexperience, uh, injuries at receiver, um, you know, what have you. Uh, those are the two main ones I think they would lean on. Big, big steps ahead next year now that we have a more experienced unit. I think that's how you would sell it. And I don't know. Are you guys buying that? It's up to you. Really. Uh, you guys are the ones that – so I don't know. I, I don't know as I would buy that, but I don't know as I wouldn't. Uh, so I think he comes back. I do. I think Brian will be back next year. Call me crazy. Um, just kind of – because I think – it's going to be as much as Bill O'Brien might want to hire Brian at wherever he lands. If he lands somewhere, that racial discrimination lawsuit where Brian is a focal point is tough. We saw when, when Urban Meyer hired Chris Doyle, it won't be as intense because Chris Doyle was kind of, he took the buyout and was a marked man at that point, almost was admitting guilt. So that hire by Urban Meyer just blew up in his face. And it was pretty close to 2020 when uh, not far removed from the summer of 2020, when the poo-poo hit the fan at Iowa with the racial bias discrimination uh, that was found in the program. That's going to be hard for Brian to, wherever he goes, wherever he would go, NFL probably being a better landing spot. I think it's going to be harder for him to find a job in college with that lawsuit still open, uh, but maybe it's closed by then. Maybe something is settled. I know um, from the Iowa coaching standpoint and Iowa administration and general counsel, they've tried to get this case dismissed multiple times and it's not worked. So if this thing goes to trial uh, in whatever, March or something like that, that's going to be hard for Brian uh, to avoid that connection and not sure he should. Um, you know, we have to see how it all plays out. Oh, let's see if I missed any for people that did not use the hashtag. Um, shame, shame, public shaming. I'm not using the hashtag. Let's see here. Uh, don't see anything on that one. Let's see on the original uh we only we only have one and that's uh from my friend from hawkeye report tom caker longtime friend uh better former met lee mazilli or ed cranepool Ooh, that's tough that's tough because I really – those are both like the cult figure guys in Met, Mets history. Um, I'm going to go with Ed Cranepool, and the reason is is he, the Mets were better when he was there. Lee Mazzilli suffered through some really bad seasons, and by the time the Mets got good again in the middle 80s, he was kind of old and over the hill. So um, that's tough, though. But I'm going to lean towards Ed Cranepool, but Lee Mazzilli was – that's a good question, Tom. It depends on which day you ask. That would probably be which way I, I would go <laughs> with answering that question. But I will say Ed Cranepool on this day. Uh, I think that's it, guys. I think we got to them all. So uh, about a 40-minute pro- podcast, 35, 40 minutes. A good, good number here a, or a good uh, time 
element now i'm stumbling towards the end of this podcast so in my mind i'm thinking about things that i have to do today including going over and interviewing iowa football players uh at 11 a.m this morning so need to wrap this up need to get this posted and get over there uh we will be back uh on the hf mailbag podcast a week from today that would be november 8th any questions you guys have between now and when I record next, anytime during the week, middle of the night, doesn't matter. Hashtag HF mail. Send it my way and we'll get to it on the ne- next podcast. I go back to where I left off the previous week, start there, and then catch up with the most recent questions. So hopefully you guys uh, take advantage of uh, that feature of this podcast but thank you everybody for listening thank you to all of our sponsors enjoy the rest of your week enjoy hawkeye football on saturday and we will talk to you next week peace